Look with me, please, in Proverbs, the 20th chapter. We've been on a series we're calling The Spirit of Man. And we've already covered quite a bit of ground on this. So if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you, go online and uh, get to previous messages. It won't cost you anything, no, no charge. And around here we have a saying, no charge means no excuse for, for not getting it. <laughs> Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Other translations, the complete Jewish Bible says, The human spirit is a lamp. I think lamp may be for us a better translation. Lamp of Adonai. It searches one's inmost being. God uses our own spirit to enlighten us, actually to communicate with us. The spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp, the W-E-B says, searching all his innermost parts. Well, if your spirit is the part of your being that God communes with you through and the part of your being that he enlightens you through, then you and I need to be aware of our own spirit. Do we or not? And this is a big deal because uh, many people don't, they're not even aware that they are a spirit or that they should be paying attention to their own spirit. This is just foreign material to a whole lot of church-going people. But it should not be, because the Bible's full of it. I mean, you'll find this all through the Word of God. In Romans 8, if you'd go there again, please, we've been looking at this throughout our study. Romans 8, he had been he just referred in chapter 7 to the inward man in Romans 7:22 he said I delight in the law of God after the inward man and then in Romans 8 he really gets into some things here verse 1 he says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit So he's now contrasting spirit and flesh. You can walk after one or the other. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Skip on down to verse uh, 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not what? Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Another way of saying this, you know, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. And 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. So walking in the flesh is walking by sight. And walking by faith is walking in the Spirit. Everybody awake? How do I walk in the flesh? Well, first of all, you don't want to. 
<laughs> he's, he's telling us, don't do that. So I said, well, I, what do you mean I'm, I'm in the flesh? Yeah, but you don't have to live your life based on following the impulses of the flesh. You can live a different way. Because you're not just a body. See, this is where those that hold to the untrue theory of evolution and other things go so far astray because they're not, they don't even acknowledge spirit. God is spirit. He's called the father of spirits. You are a spirit created in the likeness and image of God, the father of spirits himself. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. I can see your house that you live in, but I don't really see you. You're on the inside. And you'll keep on existing and living long after this body quits functioning. And you'll still be you. You won't change into something else. You are an eternal spirit. And the Lord said those that believe in me will never die. Wow. That can help you relax. Because you're going to be around. <laughs> Not down here on the earth forever. That ain't God. Who wants to be down here forever? Not if you think right you don't. You want to finish your job. Not leave before you do. But finish your job and then go. Depart to be with Christ, which is far better than being here. But notice he's contrasting walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. So walking, let me go over this again slowly because I don't know that we realize how significant that last part is. What is walking in the flesh? Walking by sight. Did you get that? Walking by sight is walking in the flesh. What is walking in the spirit? Walking by faith, which is not by sight. Walking by, how do I walk in the spirit? By faith. How do I walk in the flesh? By sight. By sight. Keep reading. He said, uh, Verse 4, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that, that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, in other words, they mind the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or flesh minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, or walking after the flesh, cannot please God, walking by sight, because what does it take to please God? Faith. So walking in the flesh is not walking by faith. For you're not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But he is in us that are born again. And we do have a choice to walk in the flesh or 
in the spirit. And the key is the mind. Can you see how many times he referred to the mind here? Minded. To be carnally minded or flesh minded is death. And that's walking in the flesh. To be spiritually minded, mindful of the spirit, is life and peace. And like we talked about last time, you got an outer man, which everybody's aware of. That's easy to identify. But there's an inward man. The Bible calls him in Peter, the hidden man of the heart. And with my mind, I contact both. I can focus outward on the outward man, or with my mind, I can focus inward on the inward man. My father in the faith used to say often, Brother Kenneth Hagin, he'd say, uh, we need to become more God-inside-minded. Did you hear that phrase? God-inside-minded. When you've got some issue and some problem out here, don't just fixate on this and dwell on this. You won't see the answer looking at the problem. You won't see your healing looking at your symptoms. You won't see your provision looking at your bills. You won't see your victory dwelling on the problems. So you you must choose to not look at these things seen, but look at the things unseen. Focus in where the Spirit of God resides. And God will use your own spirit to illuminate you, to enlighten you, right? And you'll say in the midst of problem, you'll go, ah, I see that. I see, all I got to do is do this, right? And then that's going to set this in motion. And then, but you don't see the answer from God looking out here. You see how just focusing on the problems out here, he said to be carnally minded is what? Death. It'll depress you. That's why so many people are depressed. But if you look inside, there's some good things inside. We're told to acknowledge every good thing that's in us, in Christ. He wants to fill us with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He wants to enlighten the eyes of our heart. Doesn't he? He wants to cause us to know everything that he has put inside us and given us. And when you look in that, you're going to have this perma smile. And people will wonder, what is he smiling about? Does he not know there's a pandemic going on? Well, once you hear about it and know about it, what's the point of keep talking about it and rehashing it another 100,000 times? Is that going to help you anyway? All it'll do is put more fear in you. And fear is your enemy. What we need to see is an answer. You don't see the answer looking at the problem. He he goes on to say in verse uh, 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Are you a son of God? That's male and female sons. Huh? Are you? Somebody said out loud, I'm a son of God. (laughs) 
Yes, you are. Sons of God should be led by the cheapest price. You don't have to pray. Just find out which one's the cheapest. Get that one. Sons of God should be led by the easiest way out. Are you sure? No. Sons of God should not be led by external things out here. We should be led internally by the witness. Right? Not led by needs. Not led by wants. Not led by opportunities. Not, I mean, there's a list that goes on and on and on of things you can be led by. Statistics, facts, figures, reasonings, public opinion, majority, consensus. But none of that is being led by the Spirit of God. Right? And that's being led by people and things that people see and things that people think. That is not secure. That is not stable. You're going to miss it again and again doing that. And we all know about that too well. But let's stop that. Right? Let's stop being led by all this stuff out here and do what we talked about last time. What the scriptures say, in all your ways. Well, let me back up. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Come on, say that out loud. In all your ways. Does, does that mean everything you do? Morning, noon, and night. Everything you do, do what? Acknowledge him. That's Proverbs 3, 6, is it? Put it on the screen. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, do what? Well, not ignore him, but acknowledge him. Look to him and check. Well, that's not looking out here. That's looking in here. Acknowledge him. And what will happen? He'll direct your path. That means you'll, you'll wind up at the right place. Doing the right thing. You'll get it right. Again and again. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. The second chapter please. 1 Corinthians 2. Now, if you're interested in, in pursuing this further, and I, it, it only is only going to help you, these two chapters we're reading right now are some of the key ones. That eighth chapter of Romans, read that again. And again, looking for the spirit and flesh thing and being led. And this chapter right here, 1 Corinthians 2, this whole chapter is just full of what we're talking about right now. And in chapter 2, the Bible said, let me look over at verse uh, 9. He said, as it's written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And it's sad that most of the church stops right there and go, hmm, isn't that something? I guess there's just no way of knowing. No way. Read the next verse. Read the, but God has what? Revealed them. Them what? <laughs> the things that I hadn't seen. 
ear hadn't heard, hadn't entered into the heart of man. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The Lord doesn't want us in the dark. He don't want us ignorant. He gave us this wonderful book. He gave us the author of the book to explain the book to us. <laughs> right? To live in us 24-7. Why? Because he wanted you in the dark? No, because he wants you to know. He wants us to see. He wants us to hear and understand. He said, uh, he has revealed these things to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And his things are deep. Oh, my. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Nobody knows about you. I don't care if you've been married for 50 years or who you've been around or who you've worked with. Nobody knows you like you. And I'm not talking about your head. The spirit that's in you is what he's saying. Save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. And uh, Romans talks about this, that we didn't receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear. The Spirit of the world is the Spirit of fear. You can sure see that in these days, can't you? I mean, fear is just everywhere. That is the spirit of the world. And if you don't have something else in you that you're yielding to, you will be afraid too. You won't be able to help it. You might put on a good show acting like you're not, but you are. But you don't have to act. We can actually be delivered from all fear and live unafraid. We're aware of this virus that's, that's going around. But the truth is. There's always been. A thousand things that could kill you. Any day of the week. Down here, Is that right? Down here. It's only the grace and mercy of God. That would keep you anyway. And you don't have to be afraid. But it's the spirit of God. That gives you this peace. And this strength. And this joy. Said out loud. God didn't give me. The spirit of fear. But he gave me. His own spirit. Not the spirit of the world. But his spirit. Who gives me love. Joy. Peace. And a sound mind. <laughs> Is it possible. To live that way. In this troubled world. It is. And actually, it's a big part of our witness. I said, it's a big part of our witness. When we don't panic, it'll make folks wonder why. When we're not shaken, when we're not falling apart, when we've got peace and that perma smile, <laughs> then uh, folks want to know what, what's, what's going on with you. Don't you know? We've got problems. 
You do know, but you've got something greater. You know something bigger. You know somebody. Can you say amen? amen? Keep reading. We've received not the spirit of the world. And you've got to keep on resisting the spirit of fear. It'll try to get on you. And you've got to meet it and say, no, you don't. I resist you. Sometimes you need to say it right out loud. And if you think you can't do it around people, get where you can. Sometimes you need to lift your voice and say, fear, I resist you. Leave me. Go from me. In Jesus' name, I refuse to yield to you. Like you mean business. No mumbling and playing around. Because you do have authority in Jesus' name if you use it, if we act on it. We, we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He, God wants us to know, our Father wants us to know everything he has bought and paid for us in Christ. He wants us to know about the forgiveness and the cleansing. He wants us to know our names written in the Lamb's book of life. He wants us to know we're sons of God. He wants us to know we got authority in the name of Jesus. He wants us to know that we have healing. He wants us to know that we've got provision. We've got protection. He wants us to know. And if we'll look the right direction and mind his spirit, his spirit will be telling us all the time, day and night, who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ. Now, if you focus out here, the devil will tell you who you're not and what you don't have and what you can't do. And if you're a dummy, you'll keep listening to that. Somebody say, I'm not a dummy. I'm not a, I'm not a dummy. Well, quit looking at it and quit talking about it. Quit talking about what you don't know and you don't have and you can't do. We need to focus on mind who we are, who the Lord has made us to be, what we have in him, what we can do in him. Keep reading. He said, these things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost, well, that's an old English word, spirit is probably a more accurate word, Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Do we have the Weist translation? Can we put that up? Because he, he says that in a, in a nice way there. But yeah, thank you. It says, which things we put into words, not in words taught by human philosophy, in words taught by the Spirit, fitly joining together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-taught words. It takes anointed words to reveal anointed truth. <laughs> you can't do it one without the other. And can you see how much he's talking about spirit, 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 his spirit, your spirit, spirit revelation, spirit words, spirit. Verse 14, but the unregenerate man of the highest intellectual attainments does not grant access to the things of the Spirit of God. For to him 
They are folly, and he's not able to come to know them because they are investigated in a spiritual realm. Now, that last phrase I'm not so big on, but you'll find the word judged in the King James. I think uh, the word we'd use more in our vernacular is discerned. And if you look it, look it up other places it appears, I think that's a good, you know, language changes is what I'm saying. So what do we think when we hear a word? I know when I hear the word judge, I don't think as much about discern. But it's about examination and discernment. Discerning means to be able to see it and know the difference. To see and distinguish one from another. And here he's saying, put that back up again in the weast. No matter what kind of a natural genius you might, the world might hold you to be, that does not mean you will see or understand anything of the things of God. Because it is not naturally discerned. It is spiritually discerned. Now this is, this is a very big deal. Very big deal. If you don't show God acknowledgement and respect, you will not, your eyes will be blind and your ears will be closed and your heart will not be able to understand. Even you'll see and hear things that should be obvious to you spiritually, but you won't see it at all. And to you, it'll be like there is no God. And there is no truth and there is no salvation and there is no spirit. And you'll think your experience confirms your bad belief. But it's because you choose not to acknowledge him. And it, it has to do with what you see and what you understand. To some people, many people on the planet, it's like there is no God. It's like he does not exist. And there are others. God is so real to them. He's, he's, as, he's as real as their breath. Right? And they're seeing things from him and hearing things from him every day and every night. He's more real to them than, uh, than other human people. What's the difference? Well, I, I wish God would be real to me. It doesn't come by wishing. That's not how it happened. Well, I wish he would decide to show me. It is not just up to him. He's left some things up to us. Let's finish reading this and then we'll go to another passage that shows this. Verse 15, is it? But the spiritual man judges, again, that's the word for discern, discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned of no man. A person who is developing spiritually and aware of spiritual things will see and know a lot of things about an unspiritual person. But they won't see and understand things about them. Verse 16, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What is the mind? Christ is, is, the, is the word for the anointed one. We have the mind of the anointed. 
the anointed mind. The mind that has the unction on it. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Thank you, Father. Go to John 14. John 14. This uh, seeing and not seeing is such a big deal. While you're going to John 14, I'm going to read another verse to you. Put on the screen for us Matthew 13, 15. It says, he said, this people's heart is waxed gross. Their heart's dull of hearing. Their eyes, they have closed. Who closed them? They did. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted or changed, and I should heal them. Seeing and hearing and understanding is connected to the heart. How many times, you know, did Jesus say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. What does that let you know? Not everybody was getting what he was saying. Was it because he wasn't doing a good enough job teaching? <laughs> Certainly not. But he said to the, the doctors of the law, who were the most educated, and you know, they, they probably have, you know, good, good minds, and yet he said, why can't you hear what I'm saying? He said to them, he said, you, you don't hear what I'm saying. Why? Well, it's because of their condition of their heart towards him, it had closed their eyes and closed their ears. With God, it's always about the heart. Have you seen this? It's the truth. Don't try to get technical with him. Don't try. Are you kidding? Can you go toe-to-toe with God about being technical? That's just stupidity there. There's so much we don't know. Right? And the Bible says all things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees through every facade, through every phony thing, you cannot snow him. Right? You cannot play him. You cannot. Now, now we, we should know this, and yet people get so used to lying and deceiving and conning other people until they still keep trying to do it when they're dealing with God. And if you do, it'll be like he's not there. You will get nothing. Because you're not sincere. You're not serious about talking to him. Other people might not know it, but he knows it. He knows you're playing. You're playing religious, you're playing church, you're playing Christian. He knows it. And, and you, it'll be like there's no God to you in that situation. But when you make a change in your heart, and you get sincere, and you humble yourself, and you quit playing with things, and you choose to believe him. You got to quit talking about, well, I just don't know if there is a God or not. Well, to you, it'll be like there's no God. And it'll be your own fault. Well, it's never been there for me. You're still going, aren't you? 
That's the mercy of God. No. You got to make a choice. You choose to believe in him. Believe that he that comes to God must believe that he exists, that he's real. And you must believe he's a good God. That he is a reward. He's a responder. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if you're questioning his existence or you're questioning his goodness, you get nowhere. You can't even approach him. You can't even commune with him. It'll be like there's no God to you. And yet, he is real. And he is good. So good. Oh, come on, he's good. Do you believe he's good? Oh, to those that believe and will give him room and give him place, he will just do one good thing after another, after another, after another, until you just throw up your hands and go, God, you are so good. Can anybody in here testify? He sure done that for us and continues to do it. On and on. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. John 14, you'll see it clearly in here. John 14. We looked at this last week, I believe it was, but it'll bear repetition. Jesus said, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How many believe it? He's coming back to pick us up. Is that right? And then we're going with him. And where he is, somebody said, where are you going to stay? I'm going to stay where he is. Is that right? (laughs) I receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where are you going to live for eternity? Where he is. Wherever he lives. That's where I'll live. How about you? Somebody say, I'm staying with him. I'm staying. (laughs) What what neighborhood? Jesus' neighborhood. Where, Where he stays. Not in an efficiency. Or a condo. A mansion. And, uh, He went on to say, and where I'm going, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Now, you know, let me just stop right here. Never argue with the Lord. (laughs) If he says, you know, do not check your head. Do not check your head to see if you can find the information there. He's the great I am. If he says you know, then you know. Maybe you hadn't discovered that you know yet. But if he says you know, you know. But Thomas is just going by his head and he says, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how in the world could we know how to get there? The way. Jesus said, I am the way to get there. I'm the truth. I'm the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. There's a lot of folks don't believe that these days, but it's still in the Bible, and it's still true. 
You cannot get to God any other way except through his son Jesus. According to him. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth you know him and you've seen him. And then Philip, he says, well, Lord, show us the father. And we'll be satisfied. It'll suffice us. And, and that's not what Jesus said. He said, you know me, and you have seen him. Again, this is part of walking by faith. If the Lord says you've got something, what do you do? You agree with him. You, by faith. You agree. If he says you're righteous, what do you say? Do not check to see how you feel or how your performance has been. If he says he loves you and has accepted you in the beloved, what do you say? I'm accepted in the beloved. If he says you can do all things, what do you say? I just don't know how in the world we're going to be able to do this. That's, that's walking by sight. That's looking out here. Agree with him. How many think that's some really good advice? Agree with your Lord. And he said, uh, how, have I been so long time with you, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how are you saying then, show me the Father, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me? The words I speak to you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. What Jesus is saying, you have been seeing the Father. You have been listening to the Father. Why? Because everything I'm saying, I'm just saying what I heard him say. Everything you see me doing, I'm just doing what he showed me to do, and it's actually him in me doing the works. This is happening right now. All across the earth, God is speaking through men and women. He is doing things through men and women. And people are hearing God. And they're seeing God. And some of them hate it. I know that's hard to believe. But Jesus said before, before he went to the cross, he said, uh, talking about these individuals, he said, they have both seen and hated both me and the Father. You would think, well, if anybody really saw, heard the words of God, they'd be thrilled. Mm -mm, it's just not true. Some are like us. Come on. Am, am I telling the truth or not? Some, when they see God manifesting through whoever it is, oh, they're thrilled. They're excited. Some, when they hear God through whoever it comes through, they're thrilled. They're excited. But what he's saying is, don't look for something bizarre and strange and unfamiliar and unknown. They're still, we still need to see God. We still, he said, you've seen God, boys. <laughs> we want to know God. He said, you know him. You're already familiar with him. And from the day you were born again, the Holy Spirit has taken up residency inside you. He's in you 24-7. Don't ever say you don't know him. Or you can't hear from him. You're around him all the time. You're in constant contact with him. The issue is, are you acknowledging him? 
Are you aware of him? Or are we so focused on the outside that we're ignoring what's on the inside? That's too often the case. But notice what he goes on to say. Skip down in in verse uh, 17. Well, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why? Why? To most, well, to all of the world. That's why they think there's no God. Because they can't see him. They can't hear him. They they don't think they can see him under the microscope or through the telescope. But according to Romans, everything you see is proof of God. His eternal power in Godhead uh, is revealed in what he made. When you see mountains, when you see ocean, when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, proof of God's existence, of his reality. And yet, millions deny it. And they think, because of their lack of experience of him, that it proves, well, there's no God. This is all there is. That's pitiful. And you can't help but live in fear if you believe that. Because this life is so short. Oh, dear me. If you live a hundred years, it comes and goes, boom, like that. It is so brief. And it's so troubled. This earth is full of curse and crazy mixed up people. And people talk about, well, you know, heaven is here. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's pretty lousy heaven then. It's a real fourth-rate heaven. You can experience days of heaven, a moment of this, but no, this is not heaven. This is where man fell and the curse came in. And the devil is acting as the god of this world. Where stealing and killing and destroying is rampant. It's all over. That's not what God created. No, it's not heaven. But people try to get God out of it somehow because if you acknowledge God exists, He's your creator, He's your only source of salvation, then you should bow your knee to Him and ask Him what He wants you to do with your life. And rebellious man does not want to do that. So they look for anything else to believe rather than to have to submit to a creator. Keep reading, just just a little bit more. He said, uh, I'm going to give you another comforter, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It doesn't see him. It doesn't know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, uh, in verse 21, he says this again. He said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will what? Who gets to experience God 
in this world, in this life. Not everyone. No, sir, no, ma'am. And everything that's happening in everybody's life is not orchestrated by God. Or even the remote will of God. Or plan of God. There's a scripture that's misquoted many times. Hold your place. They'll put it on the screen for us. Romans 8. This is all things work together for the good. Have you ever heard somebody quote that? Yeah, 828. Thank you. People say, well, you know, you see a train wreck. People killed. Property destroyed. All kinds of stuff. People say, well, we just don't understand it. But, you know, all things work together. For the good. That is not what this said. Not remotely. And all things are not working out together for good for everybody on the planet. Not remotely. Read the whole verse. We know what? All things work together for good to a very specific group. Right? To who? Them who question God's existence, those who are mad at God, blame God for all their problems? No. To them, it's going to be like there is no God. No. To them that, oh, somebody say, love God. Love God. And you can't fake that. He knows whether you love Him or not. Right? Oh, but if you love him, I said, if you love him, he knows it. And how can we really know that you love him? Oh, go back, go back to John. A lot of folks don't like this part. People say, well, only, only God knows in my heart. And that's all, well, actually, no, honey, we know some things too by watching you. John 14, he that has my commandments and what? Keeps them. He it is that loves me. It's easy to talk about how much you love God. But it's really empty words if you never do anything he tells you to do. Who really loves God? Those who do what he tells them to do. If he tells you to forgive, you forgive them, not based on how wonderful they are. Not based on your feelings. Why would you forgive? You don't even have to like them. You don't even have to want to be in the same room with them. Are you with me? But because you love God and he told you. Oh, come on, somebody help me. He told you, quit talking about them, forgive them, release it. You'll do it because he told you to. There's been a couple of situations throughout the years that I really didn't want to do something. It usually had to do with dealing with other people. And I remember on this one occasion, it really chafed me, you know, it chafed me, it rubbed me the wrong way. And the Lord said, I want you to do this. I thought, what? What? You want me to what? He said, will you do it for me? Mm. It's over. 
You might know what I mean. Will you, will you do it for me? He hung on the cross for me. Is that right? He went to the heart of the earth for me. He, he ever lives to make intersection for me. And you. Will you do it for me? I said, yes, sir. I didn't have to think. Yeah, yes, sir. Somehow I will make myself do it. I will do it. <laughs> but I will do it. Why? Well, what? And I did it. And it worked out wonderfully. I, later I read, what were you slow to do it? You knew, you knew God had the right idea. Just do what he says. But I can talk, talk, talk about how much I love God. But the real acid test is when he directs me to do something. If I won't do it, then it means I love something else more than I love him. I love myself, what I want, or somebody else, or something else, or else I would have done what he told me to do. But this is the wonderful thing. This is actually a big thing happening today. I know you may not think so, but it's, it's a big thing happening today. Hearts are being changed. Big things are happening and will happen as a result of this. It's not always the run in the aisle service that changed the big, biggest thing. What did he say would happen if you love him enough that you will do what he tells you to do? What did he say? He said, uh, he'll be loved of my father. The father's going to notice you and manifest his love on you. And I will love him. You got the Father's attention and Jesus' attention. And the Holy Spirit's going to come manifest something to you. Manifest means to show, to reveal. Actually, put the Amplified up on that. Amplified of that verse, please. I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. That's the cry of the planet. The reality of God. The existence of a loving God. But the only ones. That are going to see it. Are the ones. That have chosen. To love him. That's evidenced by obeying him. But if you will love him. And do what he says. To you. God will become more and more real. Your eyes will be open. You'll see things. Your ears will be opened. You'll hear things. Your heart will be open. You'll understand things. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. You love him. And you know, uh, verse 22, this was such a thing that Judas, this is not Judas Iscariot, the different Judas. He said, Lord, how is it that you're going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world. How could you do that? Basically, Jesus said, I already told you. Like I said, <laughs> come on, can you see it? Jesus said, if a man loves me. Oh, this is worth us uh, getting up, combing our hair, coming to church today. Is that right? What will turn your world around if you make a decision to quit playing around and love God? Now, you can't love a being you don't even believe exists. 
And you can't love a being that you believe is mean and cruel and unfair. But as long as you believe that junk, you sure don't love him. And as long as you don't love him, for you, it's going to be like there is no God. Aren't you glad, child of God, that you have chosen to believe in him, to believe he's real, and to believe he's good, and to love him. If he loved you so much that he gave himself and paid the price for you and chose you and redeemed you, then you have chosen to love him back. Right? He first loved you. This is us reciprocating. Somebody say, I love him. I choose to love you, Lord. I refuse to believe lies from the enemy. You're real. You're a good God. You love me, and I love you. How do we know you? You really love him? When he tells you to do something, you do it. And when you do that, see, that's an act. When you do that act of faith, act of love, there will be a manifestation. Jesus said there would be. A manifestation of his presence. And he would make himself real to you. Ooh, glory to God. And even though this is not heaven, you can have a taste of heaven to go to heaven in. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.